Welcome back to episode 62 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we look to uh, highlight both the highs and glories of raiding games, but then also delve into the plateaus and maybe even to those pits of despair. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I'd like to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Dino Rich Burgess, Brandon Halside, David Shriver, and Lindsay Newhall. You can also get merch for the show. If you want to show off your Chess journey shirt? I know Jay Garrison was wearing one recently to a tournament. People came up to him. It was great. It was a great time by all. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Chessable. I've got terrible news, though. Uh, my streak, which was on the cusp of 100, is now two. Uh, I didn't. I don't know what happened. I wanted to do my streak for the day, and they were like, no, man, you forgot about yesterday. Yesterday existed. I missed it. My streak is gone. It's okay. I've accepted that. I've been working relentlessly on the Checkmate Patterns Manual, and it has helped a lot. It's been really amazing, um, and I keep cycling through it, and somehow I keep missing them. I don't, I don't understand, but it, if nothing else, it's gotten me to be looking for early attacks in openings that I'm playing that aren't necessarily all that attacking, so it's keeping me sharp. It's keeping me going. I've been really appreciating it. Of course, you can do your openings work there. You can do your end games work. You can do, I don't know, feels like literally anything on Chessable. So if you haven't tried it yet, you should try it. That's just like an unequivocal uh, thing. You should try it. Maybe you don't love it, but you should try it for sure. All right. If you want to appear on the show, fill up the Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. There are so many out there who have awesome stories. But today, we are at our guest at hand. We have William. He is a tournament chess player. He's a data science instructor. And I'm going to be honest, he's my idol. He made the climb that I'm currently trying to do. We'll get to that in a moment. William, welcome to the show. And have you played any chess yet today? Yes, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I have not played any chess today, nor have I studied any chess either. So that's the secret. Don't play or study <laughs> chess. I've been doing it all wrong, William. No, I mean, you need a break someday. So, yeah, I'll probably uh, do something later, but yeah, nothing yet. Okay, we'll, we'll make sure we return to that idea of breaks because I'm going to be honest, I have not taken a break in, I think it's like 500 days. I started doing the 100 mm. years of chess. And once I got to like day 400, I was like, I don't I don't think people want to hear about day 400. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just doing stuff. Like, I, I don't need to post about it, I guess. Um, all right, well, let's start where I always like to start, which is, like, what's your current life situation? How, what does your life look like that either allows you to play chess or prohibits you from playing chess? Yeah, I definitely have chess as a serious hobby in my life right now. And it's because I don't, you know, I don't have like a wife or kids or anything like that. You know, I'm single. I, I live in an area where there's good tournaments around. There's plenty of strong players around. So hmm. all in all, just a, a good sort of setting for chess. I have time outside of work, right? I, I just work nine to five. So outside of work, I have plenty of time to um, play chess, study chess, play on the weekends, go to tournaments, that sort of thing. Okay. So I told myself I would literally do everything you're doing. So step one, divorce step two <laughs> no more contact with the children it's going to be painful william we'll see if it pays off okay so uh it sounds though like you have a pretty intense job are you able to just kind of go nine to five and then leave it at work or does it kind of like linger in and disrupt your chest time yeah there are some days where i don't really get to do any chest that day and that's fine i i've had periods of work where i I've had a little bit more energy at the end of the day and have been able to spend more time sort of playing rapid games online or or doing tactics or whatnot or reading books. Um, currently, um, I don't spend as much sort of day-to-day -day time, but I've, you know, built up a lot of, I don't know, I've, I've spent a lot of time at chess at, at various periods in life and there are ebbs and flows too when I can put in more effort. So okay. that's how it goes. Gotcha. I, I just, before we ask the next question, I just want to jump in with this little piece. Do you find when you have more time for chess, you have more improvement or do you find they're not as linked as I tend to think they are? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think they're necessarily linked because <laughs> I, you have to put in a time at some point, right? Like if you don't put in any time, like where is the learning going to come from? But yeah. 
things are going to get sort of banked in your mind and sometimes things need time to like consolidate right so uh -huh. maybe i might be training and working on a certain aspect of my chess decision making and i'm not really necessarily seeing improvements right away but then a couple months later things start to click better and all of a sudden i've like you know made real strides and i can see the strides but it's not mm -hmm. until until like after the fact right that i notice like oh i'm doing a lot better at this chess problem i was struggling with so i yeah i really sometimes there have been times where I've been playing really poor chess. I've, you know, gone tournaments. And I'm like, I can tell I'm I'm playing much worse than what I'm capable of. And I've taken like week, week break, whatever, two weeks break. I actually don't usually tend to take a long break because chess is just always so close to my mind that at some point I want to come back to it. But, you know, after that break, I, I'm able to come back more refreshed and Right, because you need a sort of sophisticated decision-making mindset when you play chess, right? If I mean, particularly if you're playing like over the board classical. And so sometimes having that reset helps you come back and look at the board fresh, right? Where and and um so yeah, that's that's sort of how I feel about about things. Interesting. And do you feel like your breaks are they calculated? Are they organic? Are they? No, it's all based on my emotions. <laughs> okay. Okay. Exactly. If I'm feeling good, feeling bad, it just it goes with the flow. Yeah. Chess okay. is like ever present, where it's you know it's it's rare where there will go by a day where I don't think about chess or see something online or do something chess related, but it's not right. Like I have many other interests, so if I have other things going on, I'm not going to prioritize chess over you know life stuff. Okay. And so it sounds like you're not really worried then about like losing your momentum or anything like that. Like you can bop out of chess for a week, maybe two weeks, and then just jump right back in like nothing happened. Yeah, but I, I definitely have the itch often, right? Like if there aren't a lot of tournaments happening in the area, in like the typical like five ga five game of day or five game a weekend sort of tournaments, then I'll try and like look for like the you know the quicker action time controls and try and get something in if I'm feeling uh, like itch to play if it's been a while. Okay, so it sounds like you play a lot of over the board chess. Is that correct? I don't know because I don't I don't know what to compare it to, but I basically any tournament that's happening in like the Northern Virginia Maryland area. I try to play and uh -huh. so it ends up I play most of them and there's maybe a few that I end up not playing because I've you know something going on uh life related but any like weekender I'm 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 there so I I, I would say I'm a regular at the at the tournaments in this area and I certainly I get I, I know who the other regulars are too because I see the same faces and the same yeah. names um, and have you befriended any of them or are you just kind of like yeah we're regulars we know that <laughs> um some of them is yes it's just like a mutual like all right i see them i'm pretty sure they see me too but yeah. i have i have befriended a few um nothing like we're like oh we're training chess together or whatnot i tend to keep my chess training uh private but i definitely you know if i see them i'll say hi ask them how they're doing and and sort of okay. chat and so yeah i'm on good terms with, with some of them that's sure. cool so you're, you're developing a bit of a network at least of, of yeah yeah, I, I have a couple people, especially it's usually little kids, like there's the same <laughs> eight-year-old that is always sitting next to me. And we have I have not befriended him because I feel like that would be weird. Instead, it's more like, hey, man, nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about then uh, your origin story. When did you jump into chess? Did you just start? Did you have a period as a kid where you played? Were you, uh, you know, grandmaster as a kid, and then you've gone back? What happened? No, I, I learned how to play as a kid, but I never played at any tournaments. My memory only remembers like maybe I went to like one school tournament or something. But I like I remember I was in like chess club in like second or third grade. I learned enough where I, you know, I knew how to move the pieces. I remember playing on like chess.com and playing with my friends just for fun i i love trying like this the scholars mate and i remember like my favorite thing was to play like e4 e5 and then queen h5 and then hope for like g6 where i can take on e5 check and then win the rook in a corner that's like that's basically where my chess level was at but i like learned enough where i would generally like not hang pieces right and and generally like, capture free pieces like that sort of level um it wasn't until the fall of 2018 where I saw some doormates playing chess in a common area and you know I jumped in played played a game or two and then that was going into like Thanksgiving break and I had time on my hand so I basically just ended up over break just getting really into chess I was playing online or watching chess YouTube videos there's 
you know, the St. Louis Chess Club archive of videos. I watched Eric Rosen videos back then before he became like as big as he is now. Um, I started watching like chess Twitch streams. I was playing online. I found out about Lee Chess too. So then I was playing on chess.com and Lee Chess. And, um, and then I sort of went from there, but that's, that's how I, that's how I first got into chess and that's how I got re re-entered, um, you know, and rediscovered uh, my interest in chess and, and started nice. pursuing it. And so you started with videos. Were you also like pretty quickly going to over the board tournaments or is it mostly like an online experience? Well, I had to finish up school, so I still had some things going on. But basically, once I was in a life situation where I was sort of able to play over the board tournaments, I was like, I was interested because I was playing online. I was having fun, but I wanted more. Right. I really wanted to scratch itch. So I was like, and you also sort of want like in-person things, right, to like sort of engage your life with. So I was looking like, wait, are there any chess tournaments in my area? So I didn't know anything that was going on. I just sort of Googled like chess tournaments in the area. I found like the Maryland chess website. Uh, and so I went to my first tournament in the summer of 2019, August of 2019. It was one of those um, one of those tournaments hosted by uh, the Continental Chess Association. Mm. And I mean, over the board is completely different. It was a huge adjustment. I, yeah, you know, I remember like emailing the organizer being like, this is my chess.com rating. Like, which section do you think I should play in? And yeah. they advised like, oh, you should start lower. And I was like, do I really need to start lower? But then I realized like, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, but I had a lot of fun and, and I, I sort of took it from there. Nice. So I, I guess I'm wondering, do you then think of, over the board chess as quote real chess or is all chess real chess for you all chess is real but i love over the board chess because basically like it's just such an incredible experience where i basically for me it's like entering the flow state like i get to just sit at a chessboard okay take some walks but sit at a chessboard for hours four to five hours sometimes and just think about a game and no distractions i'm just like focused i I have something interesting and abstract and beautiful to like for my mind to just, you know, go crazy over. So for me, it's really beautiful. And I used to enjoy playing online more. I used to play online a lot more. Now I don't play online as much because it just doesn't capture um, the same feeling I have when I play over the board. The, you know, the exhilaration when I lose or win is a lot different. But if I'm not have if i don't have a lot of over the board tournaments going on then i'll start to like play online more but i definitely i definitely enjoy over the board a lot but you know all chess is all chess is fun and has its has its you know different merits and, and whatnot yeah i'm in a really similar spot i've joined a weekly chess tournament thing every wednesday night and i used to play a long game on lee chess every monday and tuesday mm. night and it's gotten to where I have a really hard time getting the motivation to do it. Cause I'm like, I don't know that I want to play a long game online. Like I'm going to be flipping through my email and getting distracted. And now that I've gotten spoiled by over the board chess where I have to turn my phone off and I can't engage yeah. with anything. I don't know. It's just, I'm having a hard time even like, I still like rapid time controls and things like that, but the longer games, I'm having a hard time taking them as seriously as I used to be able to, I used to be able to shut all that out. And now I'm just really struggling with that. I find that to be a fascinating development on my part. Yeah, like there's an immersion to the in-person play, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. And I just I just can't do that the same online. I'm not sure why. Um, okay, so you are in, we're in the year 2019. You, you played in your first tournament. What's your rating coming out of it? Are you like uh, 3,000? You stockfish? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely nowhere near that far. Um, I don't remember exactly what rating I was from that first tournament, but I think I settled right around 1200 or so. Um, I lost a few games, won a few games. I definitely could tell that like my general chest strength was going to be stronger than 1200. Uh, and that part of it was just getting used to the over the board play because my online rating, you know, indicated to me that like, okay, I think I can do better than this. And th that's taking into account the fact that online ratings are inflated, like relative to, um, over the board ratings yeah do so, you remember your online ratings at all i don't remember precisely what it was then 
I think if I remember correctly, the main time control or the main thing I was like consistently playing, so probably the most accurate reflection was Lee Chess Rapid. And I think I was around 2000 Lee Chess Rapid at that point, maybe 1900, yeah, maybe right around there. What a giant gap that is, right? Did you have any moments in that first tournament where you were like, oh, wow, I didn't even see that piece was there because it was hiding behind <laughs> another piece or any of those weird like, 3D getting moments. used to the three-dimensional aspect yeah. yeah it was a huge adjustment like also not just that but the fact that you're sitting across from your opponent who can see your face <laughs> so there's this one story i had where like i was playing this kid and i made like a mistake um and i didn't realize i made a mistake until after i made a move pressed the clock right yeah. like maybe 30 seconds later i'm i realized i made a mistake <laughs> it showed on my face yeah like on my face it was like a you know oh shoot what did i just do uh -huh. and you know the kid thought for some time and then you know correctly capitalized on my mistake i was like are they gonna find it but they found it after the game they told me like oh yeah i wouldn't have known you made a mistake but then i saw on your face yeah. and from that point forward i realized like okay like yeah i need to like you know keep a poker face or whatever sometimes i'll like you know like maybe try and intentionally misdirect like yeah. but you know i I, learned, I realized that like there's also that aspect like you could actually see the opponent you're playing against you can feel if they're feeling nervous about their position you can feel if they're feeling confident like all this yeah. is being projected so that whole um aspect comes into play as well yeah i've been wondering lately about my eyes like if i'm looking mm. at a part of the board that i think is important am i alerting my opponent <laughs> to the fact that i think that part of the board is important i'm about to do something and so then i start like looking at another part of the board to try to like misdirect a bit but i'm like no i need to look at that so i can calculate better i don't know i'm not sure how much the eyes are but i i hear you like it all projects across the board so differently than the anonymity of being online does yeah, and if, like, your opponent's playing fast, right, they're playing fast and they're, yeah. like, smashing a clock, right, <laughs> you feel that aggression, and depending yeah. on your personality, you either react better to that or, or worse. Yeah, definitely. Did you have any issues of, like, food at your first tournament, those basic things, uh, or, like, what am I going to do between rounds? Yeah, I've since gotten used to just, like, like if I'm playing a, if I'm playing a tournament that weekend, like, food is just going to be tough, especially mm -hmm. because... I don't know. I I, t I tend to be one of the later people to finish my games. It's not always, but there have been so many times where I'm one of the last boards um, in my section. And and I will say, I do think that is that was an indication to me of like sort of my chest strength and, and reason for hope to move up. The fact that I was con constantly like playing, you know, and battling for longer. But yeah, I mean, the food situation, it's tough with these rounds. Like I hear about... <laughs> the nice like one day uh one game a day tournaments in like europe or whatnot and then i i'm sort of jealous because and and i used to play more of like the the two day um the two day versions where you were playing right the first day you're playing like three games in one day and and since then uh, i've sort of switched off of that and and switched yeah. more to the three day version just to have some more time in between in between games yeah i've gone so far as to just take buys instead of having yeah. to play three games so if it's like one of those friday saturday sunday one game on friday but i can't get there till saturday instead of playing a ton of games i just take a buy friday and then then i don't have to deal with that but yeah it's tough because you're like taking a weekend away from your family and you're like i want to get maximum games but right i also want to be in a place where i can actually be successful in these games right okay so we've come out of our first tournament. We're 1,200. How are you feeling about this rating? Are you are you okay with what your rating is telling you? Are you furious because your lead chess <laughs> rating is so much higher? Where are you at? I mean, at that point, I'm, I'm really not thinking about that because I'm just like, I feel like I'm going to keep playing and see how strong I can get, right? Like, I at that point, I don't know. I have no, like, what's, you know, I don't have any, like, sort of feelings about my over-the-board rating. But I definitely, like, care more about that than like my online rating right at that point i'm starting to think like all right my online rating is just like for fun but like this is where i can like prove it right when i play over the board yeah. so all i'm thinking about then is just like all right how can i i loved it because i i love the thrill of the playing over the board i'm like all right how can i play more and how can i get better and and let's just see where i can take this right like it wasn't like any set goals i mean down the line there's i started having some set goals but at that time it was just like i just want to see how far i can get and until i start feeling like i'm hitting a wall and then i'll sort of reassess like right 
how much further I want to take this, <laughs> whether I should even be be spending so much time on this. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Because it's a hobby that demands more from me than any other hobby I've ever had. Just to be bad at it too, man. That's the <laughs> hardest part. I can I be bad at tons of things with no effort. It's so unforgiving. Oh my God, I know. Uh, that's the worst. Okay, so... How many games were you able to play in person then, you think, before the pandemic hits? I have to imagine that, like, throws uh, you completely off because you're just getting into tournament chess, you're excited about it, and then, bam, everything shuts down. Yeah, I'd say, I think I played maybe six tournaments or so. Mm -hmm. Some of these tournaments were five games. Some of, I think a few might have, maybe one or two might have been seven. So mm -hmm. I just got in sort of settled. I I'd had, like, a pretty good result, like, at one of the tournaments in the winter right before the pandemic hit and then the pandemic hit and I yeah and then there weren't tournaments to go to and so then I started going back to playing online and trying to you know find what I could do um find what I could do online but um but yeah I'd say maybe six tournaments or so so wow. enough to like start feeling more comfortable and, and just feel like all right you know I, I am a chess tournament player like I go yeah. to chess tournaments you're finally hitting your groove yeah uh do you remember what your rating was like at that point when you kind of finally yeah i think it was belt? right around 1500 or 1600 okay. uh and so like i had had like i think maybe two tournaments where it was like really six you know had really successful performances at um you know because i was i think you know underrated like at one of the tournaments i I, I won almost every game or something that I just was like, all right, like, this is cool. Like I'm yeah. making progress. Like, I feel like I'm playing closer to like where my true strength lies. And so um, I was ready to, you know, keep battling, but I definitely felt like, I remember one of the tournaments before the pandemic, it was, I think maybe December or January, I, I would, you know, I felt like, oh, okay, these guys are like are good. Like these people are better than me. They felt better than me at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it was against a 1700 strength player when like, okay, like I really feel the difference. Like, yeah, like I thought like I was doing fine, but they just slowly just ground me down and just like beat me. And I was like, all right, there are some gaps in my in my chest skill. Yeah, it's really interesting how that works too. Cause that's first of all, it's so great to be underrated because you get that feeling of beating mm -hmm. everyone. I feel like I'm in that right now. Either I'm just in really good form or I'm underrated because lots of wins are coming my way. But for me, that number is like around like 1950. If I play anyone mm. 1950 and above, it is not a great game. And pretty much anyone below that, I feel like I'm on equal footing or better. With. Right. So I'm like, does this mean I'm like a mid 1800s player or is there something going on here? Um, but regardless, it's been a really fun last like two months for me. I'm like, yeah, let's play chess. Let's <laughs> usually win, right? Yeah, this is great. Okay, so what did you do here in this period then? So you've got like uh, almost a year. You go from like 1,200 to 1,600. What are you doing? Is it is it still mostly videos and OTV chess? Or are you, you working some other stuff in? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about like improvement. So maybe I'll share a little bit about my like general philosophy um for me like getting better at chess it's just it's such an involved thing but there's both the chess skill piece of it and then there's also the piece of it of like as a human like as being a healthier human who makes good decisions and has a good sort of thought process and being able to perform at your peak right like maybe you're capable of doing something but there are all these things that get in your way that right all those moments where you're like oh like ah, oh, that was such an obvious blunder like how did I make that move right like what was going on in my thought processes that allowed me to make a move that like 30 seconds later I was already able to realize was bad right sometimes there are moves you make where okay it's not until a much stronger player comes and tells you or or you check with like the engine where you realize it's bad but there are a lot of moves where you make where you very quickly or maybe it takes a few moves and then all of a sudden the course of the game changes and you realize like oh okay maybe that move wasn't so good right like what's going on with my thought processes that that leads to a bad move so for me a lot of the improvement yes i put time into like getting better at the chess skill piece of things but i think for me a lot of the improvement also came from just like deep introspection and i think that's something that i think was really important for me and i'm naturally very introspective but just thinking deeply about my games and the patterns 
of where I went wrong and the decisions that went into it. Like that was a huge part for me realizing the mistakes I was making in my games and getting closer to, you know, overcoming them, right? Some of them still like will crop up, right? Or given maybe under certain stress situations or under time pressure or whatever, right? Certain things, right? We all have our natural like biases or or sort of shortcomings that we are more prone to falling into. But I definitely feel I've overcome or not overcome, but I've I've made a lot of strides in a, in a lot of those regards. And I'd say also like, it's, it's humbling when you play chess because you realize how much you don't know, right? So <laughs> there's also this aspect of being open-minded. Well, and I generally, generally think that like being open-minded is a huge part towards chess improvement. And what I mean by that is like, like instead of, it can be tempting to sort of anchor ourselves to like, all right, like I play this system, right? And like, oh, and I like my knights over my bishops or I love the bishop pair or I love to attack, like I'm an attacking player. And we sort of anchor ourselves to like these strengths, right? Because strengths are what helps uh, help us feel more confident, help us feel better. Like that's what helps us feel like we're improving. But there's always going to be a chess move that comes on a board where you're like, wait, how is that a good move? I don't, I literally do not understand. You'll watch like a super GM tournament and it'll make moves and you're like, I don't understand how these are good. And if you have more of like a closed mindset where like, oh, I only play this way, you're going to be less capable of sort of understanding new ideas or concepts that are like unfamiliar to you, deeper concepts that at the moment, right, seem like, like how could like how could that possibly be a good move to like oh how could I allow double pawns here like I thought double pawns are like awful right like the more open minded you are to just like if someone suggests a good move and you're thinking like all right trying to evaluate way in your head the more like you're able to like think about deeper ideas and come up with cool moves or come up with moves that you wouldn't have otherwise thought about because before you would have been like playing too passively to ever think about some active sacrifice or or whatnot so. Yeah, there's a lot of, as you can see, like, there's just a, a lot of sort of, I think, general thinking and thoughts you can do. But of course, like, I'm framing it in terms of there's also like the chess skill piece to it, right? So there's also these chess ideas and concepts you do have to pick up and learn through different ways. Um, but I think then there's also the piece of actually, how do I actually implement these things I'm soaking in into my actual game, right? So for me, like, if you only have so much time to spend on chess, like the biggest thing would be to play and then really think about the decisions you made and think about how to improve upon your play, either with the help of like the engine reviewing your games or a stronger player or a coach or, or something like, or, or something like that. Okay. When you're saying introspection, are you mostly thinking about chess introspection? Or are you also doing like, you know, William making William <laughs> of like a, a more engaged person as well? Well, that's that's a beautiful thing to me is I generally feel like doing the chess introspection like is tied with like me, like the healthier I feel in my life where I feel like I'm living, a, I'm making healthy decisions in my life. I'm feeling more mature. Right. Then I see that sort of reflected with like chess and in some ways improving at chess or going down this journey or this road of it, I think has helped me feel um like i'm making more mature decisions in my own life and so it's it's really weird and beautiful and i think it's really hard to understand for someone who doesn't play chess but yeah. like it's something i try to convey when i you know tell my friends or tell people that i love chess it's like like for me it's like so deeply connected to like me growing as a person at least in my current like life state right um yeah you know. that, that line should be an advertisement for chess schools everywhere <laughs> right? like chess makes you a better person I mean, I mean yeah but like yeah. i don't think it's necessarily for everyone right because it's because the chess skill is also a piece of it but mm -hmm. i mean for me like it was like it's been there have been downs for, for sure but i think it's also been really good for me yeah I, I feel very similarly my life is incredibly chaotic and chess brings like that calm to the storm and that silence occasionally and forces mm -hmm. me to really engage in the one thing and i, I feel like it's uh, to to quote Ali Reza Faruja, I think it's been great for my mental health. I know everyone uh, wrecked mm. him for that statement, but I th it resonates for me. Um, all right, let's talk about your chess introspection then, real quick. Can you give us like a handful of things, or like what what are these things that you were able to isolate and sort of fix, or are they just uh, too nebulous? Yeah, no, no, I can definitely identify things because I've done so much deep thinking that I've been able to sort of put words to it, right? Otherwise, right. they are 
they are nebulous but i will caveat that like these are like the personal aspects of my chest where like i was struggling with this right so i think for everyone it's going to be different which is why i definitely like recommend for everyone to you know do their own introspection and realize but for me a few of the things i started realizing with um with my games were so one of one of the things was prematurely pushing pawns mm. and like basically like pushing pawns before when i'm further behind in development right i would feel like oh like i think my opponent just made a slight inaccuracy in the opening like i can like play more aggressively now or take the initiative right and i'd push a pawn and then a few moves later i'd realize all these problems with my position and i'd be like why is my position so hard to play now and it'd be because i'd like pushed a pawn which had you know in some way like created a weak square or created a hook for them to um open up the position right and generally like right if i'm behind in development i don't want to open up the position so this was a chess concept that i had to like learn and realize like hey like if i'm further behind in development i probably shouldn't be looking to play actively with my pawns yeah and probably and it was you read that or heard about that from several sources and you kind of were like yeah whatever whatever but then it was your own introspection that allowed you to make that connection more firmly. Yes, exactly. And that's why I think the two pieces are connected where you have to do the introspection, but you also have to be somehow soaking in like some chess concepts, mm -hmm. right? Honestly, for me, a lot of the soaking in chess concepts was just watching a lot of chess, watching Twitch streams, watching streamers who explain their moves, um, watching like instructive chess videos. At some point, I started incorporating, like, looking at chess books more, right? But, like, or watching commentary on, like, GM tournaments, right? Like, just soaking in, like, what they're saying. Like, yeah, so all these concepts at some point sort of filter in. But then like, exactly what, like, what you said, like, then I had to, right? It was probably in my head, but I wasn't applying it in my games because once you get in a game, you're not thinking deeply and sophisticatedly with all these you know, deep concepts running around your head. You're like at the board, you're like excited. You're like, I want to make a move. Like I want to beat my opponent. <laughs> and then all those like good thoughts sort of go out the window, right? So I had to do the introspection to realize like, oh yeah, right? Because once I started noticing a pattern, right? Because it happened in a few of my games and I, and I noticed like what's going wrong with all these games, right? I was thinking like, what is like, what do I need to improve on? And I, I picked up on a pattern and I'm like, okay, right. This is a thing like, when you're behind in development, like you should not be looking to open up the position. And then I started practicing applying that and 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 I sort of addressed that problem to, to a much greater degree. Mm, yeah, oh, what a great example. Yeah, I love that idea of, of having to both have the knowledge and then the experience and then the reflection on the experience to really be able to put it all together. Um, yeah. I found that a lot with my own endgame play. I had isolated that as a big problem. I spent a ton of time on it. It took a lot of while for it to seep in my games, but I still have those moments. Like I played a game mm. yesterday and I was like, okay, oh my goodness. Like I'd been behind forever and they made a blunder. And I was like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to draw. And then I moved my king carelessly. And I was like, no, oh my goodness. I actually moved it to the wrong square. If I move it to this square, it's a draw. Now they win. And sure enough, 18 moves later, we go boom, 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 boom. And then they win. And I'm like, oh my God, all that end game study. And I still made the mistake. Yeah. I mean, it was in a blitz game, so I cut myself a little slack. But yeah, then then it's that moment of them reflecting and be like, don't make that mistake again. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now stop making the error. Yeah, what a great point. Yeah, and, and that's why I think like playing over the board games, like you have that emotional connection. Like when you make yeah. the mistake and you lose and then you understand what mistakes you made that led to you losing, now there's that emotional weight to help you not make that mistake again. <laughs> and the hope is that you learn from that, right? That's like a healthy life thing. It's like, all right, if I, you know, like, but if you don't learn from that, okay, right? It takes time, but right? it is a process and it's not like easy, right? I'm sort of describing it like this, but of course this was a whole like process to actually, you know, try and make these improvements in my chess game. For me, it's been one of the things that I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm not a brain scientist, is different between kids and the older mm. we get. I feel like I need to make that mistake two to three times, whereas my seven-year-old daughter can make a chess mistake once and then be like, boom, got it. I won't do that mm. again. And it's just, I don't, I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's just we're different people, uh, but it just feels like that might be one of those spots where age factors in. So I guess it just means I get to make more mistakes, but you know, it's fine. I'll learn from them eventually. I hope. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not a scientist either, but I do see some connection, right? Like, it makes me think about what I was saying earlier about, like, being open-minded, right? Like, as adults, we're more set in our ways. We've, you know, we've lived life a little longer. We have yeah. opinions about things, and it's harder for us to sort of change our opinions about things because we trust ourselves, right? Like, we got to this point in life because we had to, you know, trust ourselves. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when you're a kid, like, everything, more things are new, and you're just trying to, you know, take in more things. Yeah, someone's always telling you you're wrong when you're a kid. <laughs> just yesterday and sometimes they're wrong yeah, my wrong. daughter she's telling me all about buried treasure and i was like what you mean buried treasure she's like no i mean buried treasure and i was like that i'm pretty sure that i've never heard anyone say it like that i mean maybe that's a legit alternate pronunciation i just don't know of it so yeah so she learned a little bit um okay so this is the the tough question for me you've gotten like 1600 you're on a roll you're playing otb the pandemic smashes you over the head. Are you able to find tournaments online or are you just kind of playing random games for the next, I don't know, year, year and a half while you endure this pandemic? Yeah, I I found like some like online league, um, like a, like through Twitter that I, you know, played some, was able to play some classical matches through. Um, but that was about it. Other than that, it was really just playing rapid and classical online. I've always been partial towards the rapid and classical formats. Even when I first started playing online, I was, you know, mainly at that point, not classical because I didn't have enough deep thoughts to think about a chess game, but mainly steering towards rapid. Um, I've certainly played plenty of Blitz and Bullet too, but have greatly tapered off recently, which I don't know whether or not it's coincidental, but maybe has also affected my recent chess games. Um, but yeah, just playing online and just playing rapid classical online, some blitz and bullet as well, and just trying to study. Um, and but I didn't right, like you said, there weren't a lot of tournaments to go to. I tried to once things started to slowly pick back up. I I was going to like whatever was available and trying to, um, you know, get to whatever I could. But it I don't it didn't really feel like a dry spell. But I don't I don't have a strong memory of what that time felt like really. Okay, so I'm curious. I, I feel like it's helpful for like adult improvers that can't get out very much to tournaments like how do you keep the fire going to keep tr to to keep putting all that time in to improve when you can't show it at the place where you enjoy doing it most right in person yeah i, I think I, that's one of the great challenges i think the chess infrastructure has come a long way like for example chess dojo right they have this whole like program where they will pair you up with people to play classical games with and these are other people who want to get better at chess they are serious about it so you'll have a serious like classical game to play with right i know there's like the lee chess 45 plus 45 leagues like there are these avenues out there for people who are interested i mean for me i i i'm fine with just playing hopping into like the classical pool um hopping into the rapid pool i know it takes longer to find games in a classical pool that's i mean that's for sure but it's it's there's still usually someone i can you know, find a game with or, or whatever. And and I'll just play. And is it as serious as playing on a board? Maybe not. Maybe I'm a little bit less focused, but it's serious enough, right? Mm. And anything where you just have to think a little bit more deeply about, like it gives you something to sort of review and reflect back on your thought processes about. And there's still the emotion, like maybe you don't care as much about your online rating, but I think most people do. And you still feel something after you win, lose, or or draw. So um I think it's still very valuable playing online. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so interesting what you said about when you started, you didn't play much Blitz or Bullet. I find it fascinating when people just like first start playing chess and yeah. then start playing Blitz. And I'm like, you don't even know how to play chess. Like, <laughs> right. Why would you start with Blitz? It doesn't even make sense to me. Like, it feels so scary, right? It's like, how can I possibly make a decision in a split second when I'm still trying to, like, see which pieces are attacking what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. My daughter's a great example of that. Like, she hates Blitz. She has never liked Blitz. She was in this, like, um, all-girls chess club thing, and she loved every part of it, except it always ended with a 5-0 Blitz tournament, and they would make her play in it. And she's like, I mm. hate Blitz. This isn't even chess. Yeah. <laughs> like... Uh, I know. And she almost every game she'd run out of time in a winning position and she'd be all frustrated. <laughs> okay. 
like, oh, I don't know, honey. Maybe maybe we can just say you have a dentist appointment or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just get, I've never heard of that. Saying you have a dentist chest appointment to get out playing a game. <laughs> yep. That's how much she hates Blitz. But what's cool is she loves over the board, not like classical. The nice thing about this league we play in together, it's only game 55. Mm. Her game really only takes about 25 minutes, but that's how much time she wants. And then she has a good time. She doesn't feel rushed and it's kind of perfect for her. All right. Um, so I, I some, still have some questions about how you got from 1200 to 1600. The first is how much time do you feel like you were putting in? Like how much a day or a week, like were you keeping track no. of it at all? Or is it just like, whatever I've got free time, I was playing some chess. I had a lot of time at that point because like my work situation at that point, I, was not very stressful or very intense. So I was putting a lot of time on us. I was playing at during that period of time, I was really just playing a lot of rapid games online. I was playing rapid games online and I was doing like tactics puzzles and I was watching whatever YouTube videos or Twitch streams I could of like people talking about chess, like Eric Rosen, Andres Toth, like all those people and just soaking in like whatever chess content I could. And then I started scratching the itch of like, all right, people are talking about chess books. Like I got to find some chess books. Mm -hmm. And for me, like there are a few chess books that were really helpful and just having new ways to think about chess. Like the biggest ones were, um, I, I can never remember the title, but it's Jeremy Silman's book. I think it's The Amateur's Mind where he just talks about different chess concepts. And for me, that was literally a game changer at the time because I was like, wait, there's more to evaluating a chess position than just material, like how many pieces uh, we have, right? Like literally just having that now abstract framework to start thinking about a chess game with is like literally opens like every door, right? Like at, from there, you have to learn how to apply all of that. But just thinking about like, all right, space and how good are my pieces, activity? Do I have the initiative? Like wh what's my king safety, like center control, like you know, am I playing with the knights or against a bishop pair? Like, what's the minor piece imbalances going on? Like, once I had a pawn structure, like, once I had all these things to start thinking about, it was literally like, I feel like I could, like, like, I'm not going to become a grandmaster, but I am capable of, like, infinite improvement once I have the framework, right? Later on, I realized, like, I also have to combine that with, like, the calculation skill ability, right i can't just think generally about position but i also have to think about the concrete details so if i play this move then okay what do i think their strongest move is based on the details of the position so right i think they, this was this would be their strongest move and then i start going down a calculation process branching off if needed and once i started <laughs> my my i mean my calculation process was really like going from 1200 to 1600 i didn't have like a real calculation process mm. like i was I think sort of doing some of it without knowing it, right? Like, you know, just so thinking like, all right, if I do this, then that, but I didn't actually have like a, like a robust calculation process. So once I started working with a coach who helped me develop that, that's when I started making gains beyond 1600. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really like those two pieces, right? Where, where I have the framework about how to think about chess position. I also am building up these skills for how to calculate the concrete details of a chess position. From there, it literally felt like, okay, I can just now just get better at chess. Cause I have like the building blocks in place where I'm not going to be able to solve every chess position but I'm capable of solving every chess position because I have all the building blocks I need. And I, okay, I'm going to have to probably learn more patterns, right? Look at more sort of deep ideas in games and get better at that. But I basically have the toolbox to try and solve any chess position. Not that I'm going to get all of them correct, but I'm capable of. Yeah, that's fascinating. Because I, I feel like I've reached that in my own games as well, right? Like I can always come up with a plan now it might be the wrong plan right but it will be based on the factors of the position not just like i like to attack my plan is push this pawn <laughs> yeah okay so i think that's a really important point but now selfishly i have to ask you i'm realizing the way i calculate is kind of like i go here they go there what's this process look like <laughs> give us the secret sauce yeah How does one calculate I, I i do think calculation is still one of my weaker chest strengths relative to my rating right um i'd say well actually i don't even know how to necessarily <laughs> describe my chest strengths i think i have a good feel and intuition relatively for my strength because of how much i've just sort of watched online hmm. 
Um, but yeah, the more robust calculation process, what does it look like? Um, let's see, what was important for me? I, I don't know if this is something I have not thought as deeply about. So I don't know if the words will come as naturally here, but I'll try my best to, to put some, put some thought to it. Um, one thing, one advice I remember, um, from Alex Astane was like to peel back, like from variations more often. What I mean by that is it's very, for me, one of the things is I'll go very deep down one line. Like, okay, if this and this and this and that. And I'll get very deep into that. I'm looking at that. I'm trying to visualize it. Things start getting murkier. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I basically, at some point, right, I get to a point where I'm like, unclear, right? Like, what's my assessment or evaluation of it? Like, I don't really know, right? Like, there's still some more details where I'm not quite sure that could affect whether I'm winning, lost, whatever. So then instead of like going so deep down one variation, right? Like, there's, I've like, miss so many other possible paths, right? There's probably so many other things that might be a better continuation or might help me think of details that are relevant to figuring out the best move. So the suggestion was like, all right, instead of going so deep, like more quickly peel back, right? You start thinking once things become a little bit unclear, you're not sure, okay, then peel back and see if there are any alternatives. And I think that was really helpful for me. Another thing that was really helpful for me was like slowing down. Like, all right, when you like listen to like, I don't know, Hikari on his Twitch stream, like calculate out a line and he's like, boom, 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 boom. It's like, it's fast, right? And especially yeah. in like a blitz game. But when you're actually trying to calculate well, it's much more important to be precise and accurate than it is to be fast. And of course, right, like as you become a better player, like being faster at calculating, like you're gonna, right, that is part of what it means to become a better player. But it's more important to like, you know, slow down and be very accurate, like, okay, if I think this is the best continuation, like, have I seen all the details to be sure like this is the best move, right? Or am I missing some really important um, element? And the the thing is like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I guess the other thing that's, that I'm starting to learn more with my calculation is when to calculate and when to not calculate. Mm -hmm. So, there are moments where I'll start thinking like, all right, this, this, this. And basically like I get to a position where like there are more moves to be made, but like there are just, just more natural moves to be made. And it's not the kind of thing where I have to think about these extra moves to assess the position, right? I can sort of evaluate from there. Like, okay, like white is slightly better because they have a little bit more space and a little bit more activity, but you know, not sure whether it means something yet. And instead of like trying to like look at more moves when that's not really necessary, I can sort of just understand how to evaluate that position and and healthier evaluations, I think is also a big part of calculation for me. One of the things I was doing is I would get to a position that I would say is unclear or like in my mind, I wasn't sure. And I'd be like, oh, I feel nervous about that. Like, I don't want to go down that line. Yeah. But and this is my personal like chest bias, right? Where I'm more biased towards like clarity or towards positions I understand, or I'm more like, I'm not gonna just go for a sacrifice, right? I wanna be sure that I've seen all the possible things before I go for a sacrifice. So stylistically for me, one thing I had to learn was like, just because my calculation says unclear or nervous, like nervous is not an evaluation of a chess position. Yeah. Nervous is just my personal feeling. <laughs> Let me just try and like, like account for the fact that I have this emotion and try and really assess like, what do I actually think about that position, right? And not just, and also relative to other positions, right? Cause maybe I'm nervous about it, but like I have interesting ideas in that position. And if you have interesting ideas in that position, that's generally a, a, a sign all else being equal that like, it's a good position to go into versus a position that's clearer, like for me, so, oh, it feels more comfortable, but it's clearer in a way where I'm just slightly worse and I don't have <laughs> counterplay, right? Like I could understand a position, be position better, but so can my opponent and they have the better moves to make. So mm -hmm. why would I go into that versus a position where I feel more nervous about, but actually probably I have more interesting ideas to play with it. Um, That's something I really wrestle with as well. Um, in, in my OTB game the other day, it was like, it was a clearly right move but I evaluated it and I was like, I don't know. It looks murky. And then I made this other move where I figured I was worse 
but I was like, I feel like I'll be able to handle this worse better. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thankfully, my opponent, for whatever reason, didn't play what I thought would have been the correct moves. And I ended up far better. But I was just kind of like, after the game, the computer's like, great job, except what what the heck was this? Like, <laughs> this was the best move. And I was like, yeah, I knew it, but I don't know. I didn't. And then it was so funny because it was like, it was actually really easy. And I was like, if I had actually gotten that position, I would have been like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, now that I'm here, it's not it's not that bad. It was like you said, from the distance, trying to evaluate and not being able to see it. I also totally agree with the um, not always calculating. Like this has been, I think, the biggest part of my recent improvement. It's just letting go of having to calculate every move when it's just like a, a closed position where really all you got to mm-hmm. do is put your rook on a better file. Don't spend 10 minutes overthinking. And then like, randomly going like h5 i calculated this line it's like 12 moves deep i was like what we're just just better the rook so yeah i i I found that that to be great advice for myself as well um okay so you so covering 1600 to where are you today i have just reached a rating of 2034 so i just crossed 2000 in august are you gonna Um, retire no, because I mean, the goal for me now is I'm going to try and push for 2200 for the yeah. national master title. I don't right. know if I will ever achieve it, but I think it's within reach if I really work hard. I recognize that I don't think my chess ability is there yet, but I think I'm close enough where I could maybe get there. So <laughs> I'm not going to retire, but I'm also not a professional either. So I don't know if retire is even the accurate term here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, 2000 is like my long-term goal. So I'm I'm somewhere in the 1600s now. I think probably going to be 1700. Fingers crossed after this mm. recent tournament and finishes. Um, but so you you just finished the journey that I want to do. So from 1600 to 2000, it sounds like a lot of it was calculation and improving those abilities and kind of putting all the pieces together. Anything else that happened in that stretch where you're really looking at, like, this is one of the big reasons that I got over this hump? Yeah. I hit walls along this part. Mm. Like, this was where I hit, like, a real wall where I was, like, I had tournaments where, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to, like, get past this. Like, I'm going to keep trying because I love chess and I have fun and love playing these tournaments. But, like, I don't know. And I, I it's hard to really determine what the breakthroughs were because really it was just a whole combination of things Mm. right it wasn't like one big thing that I can like easily articulate but it was like a lot of different things about my personal chest that like had to be improved and I I do think calculation is a big piece of it and just really training problem solving puzzles difficult um positions where you have to come up with deeper ideas where it's not just okay this this is appealing sacrifice I see on a board and it ends up working but like the appealing sacrifice no there's these refutations and actually the best move is this like more subtle right attacking move right like that's yeah. that sort of like training and, and calculation to find deeper ideas um i had to improve my end games so that's something mm. i have been working with a coach with <laughs> because for me personally like end games are something i find harder to like study on my own like i do appreciate them when i learn the cool things but when i'm trying to study on my own they just seem so like abstract and like a totally different kind of game i have less to orient myself around right like just by the nature of the end game like there's less stuff on the board there's more space empty space and that's harder for me um but that's something i've been working on a coach with and solving end game exercises so i've i feel like i made a lot of improvements there um i i should also mention that my initial sort of um improvement i was very focused on openings and I actually did a lot of like intense opening study. And I think that was good for me because I actually did like intense opening study in a way where I was really just like also learning middle game stuff with based uh, with my opening study. Cause I was going deep into positions. It wasn't just like learning, like what are the first five moves of like this type of opening, but mm-hmm. okay. In this typical middle game position, like what are some of the plans? Like yeah. if this transformation happens in this, like, in this middle game where this pawn you know capture happens like how does that then change how you need to reorient your pieces like stuff like that or like typical tactics or tactical motifs that 
and that then just build up my general sense of like tactical patterns. So for me, I was really just learning chess when I was doing opening study, mm -hmm. uh, quote unquote, but I was actually, I think, too focused on opening. So I had to sort of decrease my focus on opening study. Like I had been doing like, you know, tons of like lines on chessable or whatever, trying to learn stuff. But like, I haven't done any of that, like in a long time, right? Like I will sometimes go on chessable every now and then to um, review lines or whatever. Or if I'm preparing for a tournament and I see like my opponent plays whatever, then I'll look at like check some specific lines that I have in my repertoire. But I've definitely decreased that study a lot and just focus more on just um, overall um, sort of chess. When I'd you say you were spending so much time on openings, was that at the 1600 mark or were you doing that even before that? That was right around when I first started playing over the board. Oh, okay. Um, but at, yeah, I think right around when I first started, maybe a couple months in. Okay. So probably along the way to sixteen hundred, yeah, I was doing a lot of, a lot of opening, um, a lot of opening work. And so was it basically like you got a repertoire you felt comfortable with, and you've stuck with that repertoire, and so you haven't felt the need to go as deep with openings, or have you switched openings and just said, "I'm not taking that approach again"? Yeah. So, ah, okay, it's coming back to me now because I remember when I first played over the board, I was playing like, um, well, okay. <laughs> I was I was playing one type of opening, but then a couple months later, I ended up switching my openings mm. and I was like sort of picking my openings based off of looking at like Lee chess and looking at like data and seeing like, all right, what sorts of things seem to do well, mm. not actually like what seems to sort my style. But then as I was learning the openings, I was realizing like, OK, like I think I also like to play this way. Um, And so for me i like i wanted to build out like a full repertoire right like all right like this is what i play yeah. against this and um and so i started building that out and so i did like build out a lot of it and i have like a you know i think a pretty robust a uh, sense of what i like to play against what and nice. and since then right since then i have like decreased the amount of opening um the amount of opening study but the thing is like right now there are like plenty of lines or sidelines where i'm like oh i don't really remember this because i'm not like intensely studying it but okay my general chest sense and understanding will help me like get through it or if i have time to prep i'll prep it yeah i do something similar with that sort of ebb and flow if i if i learn a new opening then i'm gonna have to spend some time on it but once i sort of spend that initial time i really try to put that on the back burner and, and like visit it after a game and like, how did I do? And maybe go into my study and compare, but I'm, I'm trying to spend my time elsewhere. It just feels like, yeah. you know, there, I have so many holes and weaknesses, right? It's hard to, to plug them all at the same time. Um, okay. So anything else you want to talk about any books from 1600 to 2000 that you really uh, feel like you got a lot out of? Honestly, I don't think, there was I don't think there are really any particular books. Yeah, I think the ones I mentioned awesome. before when I was starting out were really helpful. Yeah, I I guess there's one other book I'd I'd mentioned for my for my personal journey where um chess structures by Mauricio Flores Rios. Yeah, I read right around like a couple months right after I started playing over the board, and that for me was really big just to have because I didn't know at that point like I didn't have this concept of like wait there are like familiar types of recurring structures and like that means there are familiar types of recurring plans I might want to go for if I see a familiar structure pop up so just building out that framework right let alone the specifics of like all right in like whatever in like the king's indian like mm -hmm. right here like how to play this sort of pawn structure or this french pawn structure or whatever like let alone the specifics but just having that general sense of that building up that pattern recognition I think was also helpful but from 1600 to 2000 i've certainly looked at books here and there but um it's hard for me to really read a book i'll like start one look at some things and then not really go far so i have i have plenty of like books that i've i've only like briefly looked at but yeah. i would like to get to someday it sounds like you're more of a video audio learner which is you know great everyone learns their own way yeah yeah i mean the every like um tournament where there's you know commentators like right all the like super gm or the top tournaments or whatever like i try and tune in when i can and i love like listening to like i mean like it's incredible right like people like peter leko judith pogar like these are some of the top chess players like ever and yeah. they are talking about chess positions right like they're like analogously like 
when in professional sports you get to hear like the top players like basically just share their thoughts about the game they play right to that level so um i really i really enjoy soaking that in yeah it's funny i feel quite jealous of video learners because i really struggle mm. with you know once people start talking about chess i enjoy it but for something flips in my brain and i'm like oh this is enjoyment time now like ah. you're watching netflix except it's starring judith polgar and i have a really hard time keeping like the the academic rigorous side turned on when it's a video. So it's something I'm I'm working on. Cause like you said, I feel like there's so many amazing resources that I'm just shutting half of the chess world out while I sit there with my little books. So well for me, it actually is like passive learning. Like when I'm listening, mm. I'm not like actually trying to calculate the lines. I am like sort of subtly thinking about the position, but I'm not trying to like actively learn. I'm just sort of soaking in. And then there are periods of time where I'll have like more active learning. Right. So gotcha. yeah, there's definitely enjoyment. I'm def okay. when I when I listen, it's more like just soaking in a background sometimes even. Yeah. Maybe I need to just have more chess background going on. That mm. might be an answer. And I gotta say, I totally agree with chess structures. I feel like anytime you're picking up a new opening or something you're not familiar with, that's such a great book to go to just to get a better feel for what that structure is like in the opening you're playing. He just does such a great job laying them out. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question for Dave today. I could, I feel like I could talk to you for like three more <laughs> hours because I don't feel like I'm ready to be 2000 yet. Um, so you talked about sort of coaching. Did coaching start around 1600? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where coaching happened. I think, I started working with a coach about a year after my first over the board tournament. Okay. So I think I was around 1600-ish then. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I, why bother getting a coach with your rapid increase? Why not just be like, I got this. I don't need a coach. I I wanted to get better. And I mean, I trust myself a lot, right? And when I do my introspection, like, right, it's like, I feel like I, I know myself. And so I, but I was like, feeling like it was getting harder to like just get better by myself I'm like I need to learn more and I yeah and so I I just felt the need like this is gonna help me like right people recommend it also and I'm like why not right like this is something I care about it's something I love I have the the means right to do it so let me try it and see how it goes and it was really it's it's been really helpful for me I still think like even with a coach it's still very important that I do my own individual introspection and and just write like my own individual work but they really help fill in the gaps um that i'm not able to get to myself like i used to think like all right i can just why do i need a coach i can just review all my games with like stockfish right i'll see what the engine suggests and i learn from there and and to some extent i still think some of that is true but there's also it's just so much easier with a coach to help you who knows like how you play and can give you more um tailored personalized advice yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. It's it's funny for me the other day, I was like, oh, I played this great game the other day and I crushed this person. Do you want to just take a quick look at it before the game? So I was like, I was kind of like showing off. He's mm. like, yeah. And then we get like seven moves in. He's like, what what is going on? Why did you play this move? What what even is your plan here? And then it's like, oh my goodness, you're, you're pointing out like how much I could have improved my great win even. This is amazing. So, <laughs> and I feel like, those are the hardest games to get better at, right? Like when you yes. win, your brain goes into this mode of like, dude, what do you mean get better? We just won, baby. And it's like, well, that person was rated 1500. Like they're not uh, the, the the world champion of chess. They probably made some mistakes in there. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I agree. It's just so helpful to have a coach be able to kind of, I don't know. I kind of just like feel like make that journey a little bit shorter. Yeah, I agree. And and what you said there with that last point, like my mindset is always like, I'm just trying to play the best moves I can. So there will be plenty of times where I'll win a game and you'll just see me like shaking my head. And I generally like feel disappointed because I'm like, I didn't feel like I played that well. Like, I feel like my opponent just made more mistakes than me, but I'm never trying to like just be better than my opponent. I'm trying to like hold myself to the standard. Like I want to play a good move like every turn. And of course, I'm probably not going to because I'm not at that strength, but that's what I'm striving to. And and sometimes and maybe I'm too hard on myself, but I think generally that's it helps push me. Yeah, I feel similarly. Well, William, um, I'm so impressed by your journey. 1200 to 2000, 1600 to 2000, the last what two years or so. 
Ooh, that is that is a journey that I'm striving for, William. So uh, I'll have to bring you back on. I'm sure you'll hit National Master in like three months. So we'll bring you back when you do. No, I think this this next hurdle, I mean, first of all, who knows if it's ever going to happen, but yeah, we'll work for it. <laughs> I hope to be able to tell you that one day. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it already. Well, William, thanks so much for joining us. It was really phenomenal for me. I, I'm sure the listeners will feel the same. Uh, where can people reach you if they want to follow up with uh, some more questions? Yeah, I, I'd say uh, if you if people want to get in touch via email, and then I'm happy to you know share my trust usernames through there. I, I I do think opening preparation is important, so I'd actually rather not reveal mm -hmm. it. But um, if anyone wants to email me, um, my email is William dot Wong W A N G uh, at Vanderbilt Edu. So um, so feel free to email me if anyone has any questions. I've I've also worked with. I've like coached people before. Um, um, so I'm, if people want like any tips or advice, I also enjoy sort of teaching chess as well. I'm so happy to hear that because you sound like you would be an amazing coach just with this idea of so much introspection, finding your own strengths and weaknesses. I, it sounds to me like you'd be a, a phenomenal coach. And, and I can't believe we ran out of time because I really wanted to talk to you about whether you're able to use data science in your chess improvement. So I guess that's going to be a question for next time when you hit master. So we'll <laughs> that one, keep that one in reserve. Yeah. Well, William, thanks again. What, what a great interview. And uh, for everyone out there, I hope this is the month where you go from 1600 to 2000. But if it's not, it's all right. Don't worry. We're all getting better. You can come back next week. We'll have some more guests and I'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today.